Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, worship team, for doing an incredible job of leading us and listening to what God had for us this morning. Um, as you see, pastor's not here this morning, so you get Miss Pastor. Um, <laughs> he is in Mexico and um, working with our mission that he oversees there. He will be headed back in today, so if you guys will keep him in your prayers um, and pray for his safe return this evening, all right? So let's say, let's pray real quick, and we're going to get started. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity um, today, God, I pray you will um, anoint my mind, my thoughts, so that I can say what you plan to, for us to hear today. Lord, open our ears that we can hear and our hearts that we um, can know what it is that you desire to do today. Give me the courage and give us all the courage to change the areas we need to change. And God, to always live in awe and wonder of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, um, I'm going to, I've got quite a few scriptures, so I'm just going to start at it, all right? Okay, so we're going to start at a very basic, basic thing. We're going to start in Romans 10, 9, and 10, the initial building block for our walk with you, Lord. It says, and what is God's living message? It is the revelation of faith for salvation, which is the message that we preach. For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness of God, and then the mouth gives thanks to salvation. Basic scripture, if you know anything about, uh, if you've been in the, with the walk with God, you've began it many years ago, you know this is where, this is step one, right? Block one. We're going to kind of talk about that in two phases. Um, salvation. I'm accepting that, hey, look, I can't do this on my own. I'm a sinner. I've pretty much messed this up. I can't, I can't make it on my own. I need help. And then acknowledging that, hey, Jesus, you provided that help. You paid my debt at the cross. That was for me. That wasn't just for anybody else. It was for me, too. And I accept that. This is what salvation is. And that's the first step of understanding I need you and I accept who you are. And if you hadn't had that opportunity to do that, we're going to give that opportunity today at the end of service. I would love to see um, you experience that moment of accepting him as Savior. He's the one that can save me. He is the only one that can save me and applying that to my life. But the second part of that scripture is part where we're going to land today is that you are going to be Lord of my life. That's who's going to be running my life, who's in charge in every situation. Lordship. We make that declaration, but now comes the continual act of putting him in the place of lordship. So we're going to establish first that Jesus rightfully obtained the title of Lord, right? If we're going to call him Lord, let's make sure he's in the right, that hey, we can call him Lord because he, it has been established. So let's see, in Matthew 28, 18, he, Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth 
has been given to me. The title was given to him because he had the authority. He had the right of way. Acts 2.36. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Peter, once again, establishing he has the right to be called Lord. See, the Father bestowed upon him the office of Lordship because he had surrendered himself totally in full obedience to God and accomplished this work of salvation through the crucifixion and then taken victory over the enemy through the act of resurrection, right? And thank you, worship team, for hearing what God wanted us to sing today because you reiterated this over and over this morning. Um, so we have established that he is, he, he is Lord. Once again, Paul in Philippians 2 and 8, he says, He humbled himself and became vulnerable choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death of crucifixion. We established that he, hey, we can call him Lord. He earned that right, right? Um, and so what does calling him Lord actually mean? What does that look like? First thing is I just got to recognize him for who he is. That he is Lord. That, that he is God. He is my salvation. That he conquered death. That I have in him all authority, all power is in him. I recognize that. And number, then the second thing I do is I just give him that honor and respect that he's due. The place of authority that is due to him. You've met people in your life, not even close to who, who Lord is, but on this earth realm, in our earthly realm, you've met people that, that demanded your respect because of their place, because they were in charge, because of their title, their position. So we give the honor that is due the Lord because of his position, of his title. And calling him that also means that I give him utter and total obedience, complete obedience. What he says I do, there's no hesitancy of thought, of what I want or my other options, like you tell your kids, or you've probably told your kids, or I've told my kids, delayed obedience is disobedience. You heard that one before? Yeah. So obedience, complete and total obedience. This is what lordship is. Um, it says, I willingly give you all charge of my life, my destiny, my dreams. See, it's kind of like um, this. Um, I'm going to borrow from Rascal Flats. Life is a highway. So imagine yourself in your car. You're traveling down the avenue of life. And before you have met and called him your savior, you were driving that car. You decided where you were going. You decided the route you were going, when you were getting gas, the temperature of your car, what you listened to, who got in and out of your car, right? But see, when we come to the place of salvation, we, we say, okay, you're now the driver and I'm sitting in the passenger seat. So I relinquish control. I relinquish charge because he doesn't take Control. Okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. I relinquish the driver's seat and I give it to you. 
So now, what does that really look like? Oh, well, um, he decides what, we all know where we're going. Okay, that's already decided, right? Our destination's decided, that's good. But the route we get there, we're giving him control of that. How we get there, it's up to him. The speed we get there, it's up to him. The atmosphere inside the car, ah, that's up to him too. The temperature, it's up to him. When and where, you know, our provision is, our, our fuel is supplied, that's up to him too. Who gets in and out of my car, his decision. Putting him in the driver's seat of life. This requires some real work on our part. This is where surrender and trust comes into play. I mean, you know, you really trust somebody if you let them drive you. Some people more than others, right? This is where we get to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right? When we, require, we let him become Lord of our life. A lot of times when we hear the word surrender, we think of it in a negative connotation. It kind of comes about as like, eh, that rubs me wrong. And why? Because we associate that word surrender with uh, loss of control. Um, loss of being self-sufficient. Uh, I feel, you know, that makes me feel powerless when you say surrender. It also implies a lack of knowledge of where I'm going. And what I'm going to expect, what's my next. The why of that is this a battle within my flesh, Right? This is why we take the negative connotation. It's this fleshly battle that I got going on. It's my self-life that I'm battling. My lack of complete trust because I like me. We all like me a lot. And we make choices based on the like of me a lot. It's kind of like the donuts out there. At the donut bar. <laughs> they smell good. They look good. I like them. They taste good I, for the moment. But about 15 minutes later, you feel like, why did I eat the donut? That was a poor choice. Why did I do that to myself? I knew better, but I did it anyway. Why? I listened to myself won't, and I made a decision. I'll have to say, when you think about a donut, you should immediately know it's a poor decision. I mean, it looks like an inner tube. It looks like an inner tube because it goes to an inner okay. So it's like the picture of a bad food, right? <laughs> Can't, I got to get off the donuts. Um, you can replace any word there you want, the <laughs> donuts. We want what we want because our self-life demands it, right? So, what, so this whole battle of the flesh, so let's think about it from the perspective of let's get back in that car a minute, and you're sitting here, you've decided, I want you to be Lord of my life. But you know, Lord, I really want to stop by my favorite coffee shop. I want to go there. I noticed you passed it. I want to go there. Well, guess what he does? He's so gracious and so awesome. 
He gets out of the driver's seat and lets you get right up in that driver's seat again. Because he's never going to do what you don't want him to do. And if you want it, you can have it. If, I would, if you're sitting in the car and you're saying, God, I would really, really, I really need to know what you're planning, when you're planning to refuel my tank. When are you going to provide? I need to know now and how are you going to do it. And in fact, I think I've got a plan. Mm-hmm. I know where you can get some fuel. I know where my provision needs to come from, and I'll tell you how I'm going to do it. Perfect. You just go ahead and get back up in that driver's seat. He's going to let you. You know, I think it would be better, Lord, if we sped up. Everybody's passing us up. I need you to go a lot faster. We know where we're going, but can you please hurry? Or maybe, God, I want you to slow down. Things are happening too fast. Are you really sure we're going the right way? Everybody else seems to be going a different way. Look, God, you know my friend over there, she went the other way and she made it. Well, why are you taking me down this path? And wait a minute, God, that was not a road. Remember, he's not limited to anything that we're limited to. If he needs to, like you sang today, if he needs to make a way when there was no way, he can do that one too. But how often do I want to make him fit my life and plan? How often do I tell him, hey, look, my GPS says we are going backwards. Ever felt like that? I have. Wait a minute, God, we were going this way, and now it feels like I'm going that way. I think, I think we need to turn around and go the other way. And God, it is hot in here. Says me, no, never. <laughs> no. It's a little chilly, Lord. I don't like what I'm hearing. This is not the answer I like. So we've all been there. Let's be for real. We've all been there. We all have these arguments with the Lord. And we like to get back in the driver's seat from time to time. Now, Paul identifies this issue in Galatians 5, 16, and 17. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living freely within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self from dominating you. You sense a trade-off here? So then the two incompatible conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation of the life of the Spirit. So there's the battle going on within you. I want the donut, but it makes me feel bad. It's not a good food choice. I want it. It's the self-life versus the new created life of the Spirit that the Spirit has birthed in you. He goes on, you know, Paul goes on to list some of these cravings of the self-life. There's sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, ouch, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, 
ouch, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and other similar behaviors. So ouch, right? Do we find ourselves in that self-life driver's seat a few times? Surrender has kind of two ways or two options there. You know, there's the first way that I think of, um, think of a good old cowboys and Indians western. I may have a house full of girls, but I still have pastor and he demands his occasional westerns. So let's think of surrender in the way that in rides, in rides the cowboys and they demand surrender. It's a demand. It's a gun to the head, surrender. So those options of surrender are it's I surrender or I die. So I'm going to choose to surrender because my option is not good. So I'm getting myself out of a jam. It's kind of the Eeyore effect from Winnie the Pooh. Well, since I'm not good enough by myself, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and go along with your plan. It's such a pitiful, sad outlook on surrender. It's not helpful. It's not hopeful. It's not joyous. It's really just kind of sad. Are the, there's the other, cho- the other way of surrender, and it's by choice. It's the opposite of control. It's a willing choice because of the trust in the one that you're surrendering to. It's complete trust. Um, Marvin had moved to Colorado in December before we got married, and we were scheduled to get married the end of March. And his parents decided for Valentine's Day that they would drive me to Colorado to see him. So I go. And Marvin says, yay. Well, while you're here, I want to I teach you to ski because I've already made plans and we're going on our honeymoon. We're going skiing for our honeymoon. Okay, so this southern girl here has not seen any real snow ever. So we bundle up, literally me bundled up. Remember, I don't do cold. Um, and go to the top of Winter Park Mountain. And we, he enrolls me in ski school, right? Because that's what you do. If you've never been on skis, you should get some instructions. So therefore, you learn how to pizza wedge. And if you've ever been skiing, you understand all you are learning how to do is stop. Okay? You're learning to stop because that is a safety, you know, that's important. If I'm going to put you on the mountain, at least you need to know how to stop. All right. It's pitiful. It's not pretty. They keep you in a protected area with lots of fencing around it so that you do not get on the area that the people that know how to ski are. 
you stay the lift that takes you up the little hill and it's not even a hill I would have to say it is a gradual incline very gradual it's like from here to that door is the lift so you jump on your little lift which is a feat in and of itself and it brings you to the top of the incline and then you pizza wedge down right so this is all morning about two or three hours of pitiful attempts of this pizza wedging you and the rest of your comrades in your class learning to stop so noon comes and Marvin and his buddies that he's brought to ski with him because they really can ski um, come and get me. He's like, oh, you're doing great. Well, look, I've already talked to your instructor, and I'm going to take you for the afternoon. You're not going to go back to sea school. You're going to come with me. And all my blind young love said, okay. <laughs> so we mosey on down to another line, and we get in this line, and we go to the very top of the mountain. Now, there's a reason they had us down there on the low part. Because, see, that was where the greens were. Like, that's called the lowest level. They're flatter. They're wide. You can, you can pizza all the way across the mountain with not hitting anybody. We went to the top of the mountain. There are different things at the top of the mountain. There are not green slopes at the top of the mountain. They're all blue and black slopes at the top of the mountain there are Marvin suffers from a common problem that men seem to have and it's called don't read a map I'll get there so we're at the top of the mountain there is no greens there is no blues it's I mean it's blues and blacks I'm sorry it is blues and black there is no green so guess what I have to trust I have to surrender my absolute fear that I am now not on a green. I do not think I know how to do anything at this point. And I have forgotten how to pizza even at this moment. <laughs> so I will have to say that we probably saved several years of counseling on that mountain because we managed to work quite a few things out <laughs> coming down the mountain. We made it. I made it down Mary Jane my first day of skiing, which is, I was not, it was not pretty, but I got down. But somewhere in that escapade down the mountain, it went from gun to my head, surrender, to I trust you because I love you and you want what's best for me. And I recognize that and I hand that to you. And so like the Lord, that is the surrender he's asking of us. I trust you. I willingly hand you my life. I willingly let you get in the driver's seat. You know, it, there's many people in the Old Testament that modeled this. Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The whole book of Job, he trusted. Moses led the people of Egypt to the edge of the river and said, okay, I did it. Now what you going to do? Well, he made a way when there was no way. He trusted God, and God came through. David, David, over and over and over again, trusting God. 
surrendering control. And the good thing about these, all these men, they showed us that they didn't get it right and perfect all the time. And they stepped back in the driver's seat a few times, made some messes, put some people in their cars that wasn't supposed to be there. They went down routes they weren't supposed to have. They tried to make provision for themselves. But God, in his mercy, as soon as we say, you know what? I'm sorry, I goofed up. I got back in that driver's seat. I'm going to let you have it again. Now, God modeled this, or Jesus modeled this uh, surrender by willingly giving his life on the cross for our salvation. Let's go back to Philippians 2 and 8. He humbled himself and became vulnerable. Just like maybe we should do, right? Um, Choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, the criminal's death by crucifixion. So he models the surrender by the cross, and also through his example of how he lived on life, uh, on, on this earth. Um, in John five nineteen, Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing, for the son does the same works as his father. And this is our, our goal, Right? That I only say what the Father tells me to say, and I only do what he says to do. Now, Jesus modeled how we are to live surrender by his instructions. And his word also in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your old life. Lay that one down. And you must be willing to share my cross And experience it as your own. As you continually surrender to my ways. There's our hope, right? He says we continually surrender to his ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and you lose your lives for my glory, you will continue to discover true life. Now, but you have a choice. If you choose to keep your life for yourself, you can. You'll just forfeit what you try to keep. Remember, it's always a choice. He always is such a gentleman and gives us a choice. And remember, surrender is not control. Never is surrender control. It is our free will choice. And what does a surrender look like? What does the other side of yes look like? It looks like that I get a new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Everything old has gone away. Behold, everything is fresh and new. In Galatians 2 and 20 says, my old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and it no longer lives. My old man is dead. The old person I was when I drove the car myself, when I had to be in control before I asked him to, that I recognized he was Savior, that's gone. My old identity is crucified. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed 
one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. And my new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and he dispenses his life into mine. I love that word. I love how that is portrayed. He pours his life into me. Now, how in the world could I effectively move forward and walk into my new identity if I'm dragging a hold my past life my past identity with all its ideas, its dreams, its purposes, its plans. I can't. It won't work. So what I have to do is everything I own, everything I possess, and remember possessions are not necessarily materialistic things. It's everything that I own that I think is mine. So everything I possess, that's what he wants me to lay down and give it up. In fact, Luke... The Lord said, likewise, unless you surrender to me, giving up all you possess, you can't even be one of my disciples. So laying it all down, I need this new identity. And I need to enter into God's witness protection plan, right? I need the old person, uh, who I was, everything about me has got to go away. And I step into my new identity. My new, I am a now a new creation. And I'm given a new filter. I'm given a new perspective, and a new way of processing. It reforms how I think. It's like a reprogramming, I mean, a, a reformatting of my programming or operating system. So I had this crazy idea in college that I might want to be a computer programmer, right? Mm -hmm. I took one class, about two tests into that, I decided that was not for me. And that was not my life plan, and I was not going to embrace that one. God, in all his infinite humor, gave me a job in that field for three years, a few years back. Um, but I did learn a few things. How's that? I did learn that a computer only does what it's been programmed to do. So if the number nine, you hit the number nine on your keyboard, the numerical value of nine has been assigned to that keystroke. So when you hit nine, that numerical value is automatically associated with it, right? That's how it's been programmed. Now, my thinking throughout my life, how I process, how I deal, the combinations of words that I hear, when they go in my processing system, what comes out is a result of how I've been programmed. And this is where the Holy Spirit gets to do a lot of work. Because when you hit number nine, there's no telling what might come out. When you say a certain string of words together, my automatic response may be bad. Because it triggered something that programmed, was programmed in me to spit out something that is not godly. So, Carter, this is where we get to do a lot of soul work. Reprogramming how we process. How we process what people say to us, how we process how we see ourselves, how we process what's happened to us in our life. Every situation so the Holy Spirit is reprogramming us. My thinking, by the help of the Holy Spirit, is being reprogrammed. 
So my old soul wounds, my hurts, my pains, my way of defensive thinking, I'm all replaced with the love of the Father and his truths about me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God and to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Surrender looks like worship. Worship looks like surrender, by the way. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be the way that everybody else processes things, the way you've been taught to process things, the way that even seems easiest to deal with. And I want you to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So he desires to reprogram and transform me with his love. He gives us this filter of his love's God glasses, if you so indulge me, so that I can see with his love. My situation around me may have not changed at all, but how I see it is completely different. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit, singular by the way, wow, um, produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Manifestations of the love of Christ in me. Now, not only did he give me a new identity and a new filter, but he gave me a new job. I need a new job since my last job was to fulfill all of my own self-wants. This one, new job, is where my life assignment comes into play. This is my kingdom purpose. Since I'm laying down my old way, i got to have this new purpose. So, and that is, we're going to find that in Galatians 5 and 13. Beloved ones, God has called us to a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to live a free life. I don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in this natural world or this natural realm. This is not just about this world, but I am, this freedom means that I am being so completely free of self-indulgence that I become servants of one another, expressing love in all I do. So that's my job, that I become servants of one another, expressing love in all I do. The Father's love through me. And to do the will of my Father. Matthew 7 and 21 says, not everybody who sees me uh, who um, says to me, Lord, Lord, sorry, will enter into the realm of heaven's kingdom. It's only those who persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. So each of you are called to a unique purpose. You live in 2018 on purpose. You don't live in 1818 because God didn't call you to 1818. He called you to 2018. 
So you were born for this time, for this purpose. He saved you for now. He's, there are the people that you work with, the people that you live with, the people that um, you come in contact. You were called for them. You have a unique demographic that God called you to, and you have a unique purpose that only you can do for the sake of the kingdom. So this is my job assignment. And not only do I get a new assignment, but I get a new reward. See, my old life, the reward was death. Remember, we'd already talked about that. You can keep that life. I can choose that. But hey, you're going to die. It's going to be a lot of mess along the way, and then you're going to die. You can drive that car that way. It's going to break down because you put too much stuff in it and you put too many people in it that I didn't put in it and you went down the road. I told you not to go down and you made all these bad choices. That's death. But my new life and my new reward is I get true life. Matthew 10 and 39. All those who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake, those who trust me, those who surrender to me, and surrender it all to me will discover true life. My reward. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I'll refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply just join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, I'm easy to please, and you will find refreshment and rest in me, my reward. So just sit back in your passenger seat and rest. You don't have to drive. You don't have to decide the path. You don't have to worry about your provision. You don't even have to worry about anything. You just get to sit there and enjoy the presence of the one that's driving your car. Just enjoy conversation. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy what you see as you journey through life. You can just rest in his presence. Because you're under the covering of an all-knowing all-powerful, limitless God. See, when in our self-life, when we're choosing to drive, if I come up against the obstacle, i got to figure a way around it. But with him driving, I get to rest, and he has no limits. So he can create whatever he wants to. Don't forget he's a creator. So there are unique solutions to every situation in my life that I don't even have to think about. I can just surrender that and trust him with the solution. And it leads to rest. True rest. So music team, you guys can come. Um, in fact, can you do the bridge of the last song if you don't mind? Um, today, or earlier I talked about it, and we'll go back to, if you have not had the opportunity to say, I acknowledge and I recognize that you are the Savior. You are the one that, that died for my salvation. 
or maybe even if you chose salvation by the first method that we talked about of surrender, the gun to my head. Maybe today you just kind of want to surrender in a different way, and that is, God, you're just incredible, and I trust you. Because living life out of I have to is a whole different life than living, living out of I choose to. So today, maybe you just want to choose. And you want to choose him to be your savior. And you recognize him to be your savior. And I know there's all of us in this room that have opportunities for him to be Lord. In some area of my life that maybe I haven't allowed him to be Lord in before. They come up all the time. He shines his little light in and says, hold on. This little area of your life, I'm not Lord in. And I can't be Lord in until you trust me with it. It's different for everybody. It could be finances. It could be your children. It could be relationships. It could be your future. But whatever it is, I just invite you today to open your heart and let him speak to you. Let him show you areas that he would love, love to let you rest in. He would love to take charge of that for you so you don't have to. Let's just bow our heads real quick. God, I thank you that you made a provision and you made a way. So freely you gave to us, God, your, your life for our salvation. You've given us a way. God, and we thank you for that. And today, God, we, we're going to make a declaration of your lordship over our life. Highlight the areas in my life, God, that I have not allowed you to be Lord in, that I have not trusted you completely with. God, I choose to get out of the driver's seat and I choose to get in the passenger seat today. I surrender my necks to you completely and with my whole heart, God. God, I thank you that you give me a new identity, God. You've given me a new, a new way of life a new filter, a new way of seeing life, God. I thank you through surrender, God, that you will give me rest and a purpose. And so today, God, we invite you to take charge and we surrender control. In Jesus' name.